another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me as always, and I would like to say welcome back to Chris Hellstrom, who had a week off. How are you today, Chris? I'm, well, I've been better, Jody, but I am much better. Thank you very much. I'll, I'll spare everybody the details. Yeah, it's been a rough go here for a last little bit. I feel okay. Good. I feel okay. So that's where I'm at, and we'll, we'll stick with that. How are you doing? I am dealing with anaphylaxis, I think, is what it would be called, or an allergic reaction to something that has recently invaded my personal person. <laughs> You're invaded so my your throat personal is feeling space. a little bit swollen, <laughs> even though I'm not ill, which is a little strange. So I'm certainly not wanting to be singing and at the same time, if you noticed, it wasn't a very aggressive opening on today's show. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. So hopefully you, you feel better soon. Speaking of vocals and stuff, today's topic, we're talking about choosing appropriate gear. And we kind of based this on a question that you recently got. Yes. I had a friend of mine who is in the process of building a recording studio. He's not on a tight deadline. He's on a long-term solution for his recording setup, and he's primarily a drummer. And the question that he asked was, should I get a C414 XL2 or the C414 XLS? And the first thing that popped into my mind was, what exactly is it for, and what space are you intending to use it in? And of course, he answered by saying he was going to be building a new recording space. And I thought, well, are you planning on making it sound a little more dead or a little bit more alive in this particular space? Because that would determine the kind of choice you would make on this particular option of those two mics. So what are those options, just so people kind of know that what's different sound-wise in your experience with those two? The general thing is they're almost identical in terms of mics. They're both C414s. The difference is, is that one of the two of them has a slight bump in the upper portion of the EQ. Thus, with the slight bump in the upper portion of the EQ, it's going to make it sound just a bit brighter. And if you already have a bright room, you probably don't want a mic that's going to make it sound even brighter. Yeah, and that's the question that comes in a whole topic here, right, is appropriate choices. Right. Because with so much gear out there and variations and this and that, there's really, really an overwhelming amount of options that we have to choose from. Mm -hmm. We need to ask ourselves where, what are we going to use it for? What Say, let's say that you're a vocalist and this is going to be used as a vocal mic. Well, does it suit your voice? That type of thing. If you have a lot of high end in your voice as it is, maybe that's not a good choice for you. Right. Maybe you want you to don't take need an extra bright mic if you already have a bright voice. Right. Of course, also the opposite is true. Making all those judgment calls, and I think that is something that we face a lot, especially as in your friend here who's mm -hmm. building his studio. There's a lot of choices to make yes, when it comes to that the gear acquisition and all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's a question you hear a lot. It's like, well, should I get this or should I get that? And it's so overwhelming that with all the choices out there that we feel like we need everything. 
oh, it would be nice to have everything. The bigger question is, what kind of need are you filling? Are you missing anything currently? If we start from one of the beginnings, obviously the mic is the about as close as you get to the beginning of a sound if sure. you need to mic something, unless it's a virtual instrument. The next step from there is if you ignore the cables, the interface that you're going into, obviously, if you're recording into a computer. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I would make the joke that we, we need to consider vacuum cable. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that, that's inside joke, people. Yeah, so the interface, but but it's, you know, we're looking then at, like, well, how many ins and outs do we need? Yes. Am I going to be recording bounce here? Am I going to have everything wired up at all times so we have racks of synths that we want to have access to right away without any kind of rewiring or repatching being done? Well, and in his case, he is a drummer. And I imagine yeah, he's so going to always have a drum set set up specifically for this. So he will probably need at least 12 inputs on an interface. Now, he already has an interface, I think, that has eight. But with his questions of certain mic choices, it seems as though he's going to want more inputs. So thus, he will probably need an interface with more I.O. Yeah, more is better in that case, right, when you need the availability. Because I've, I've done sessions where you can definitely do a kit with eight ins and outs. Mm -hmm. But there are choices that have to be made then, right, with yeah. some flexibility that, you know, you might not – like a hi-hat, or you might have to forego one of the, say, like a snare bottom mic or whatever happens to be, right? You know, obviously expansion there is another option, right? But you do like an ADAT link or something, have just more inputs. Those would be a case where, you know, say down the line, he goes like, you know what? This interface is not cutting it anymore. I need additional inputs. Right. And that's a great time to think about, you know, upgrading, upgrading gear, sure. right? As opposed to if you're in your bedroom studio and you're primarily triggering samples, you probably are not going to need 32 inputs, you know what I mean? <laughs> probably so not. It, it's easy to overshoot there. I would also put in the same thing here, like if we're filling a need, let's say that you and I always are big on, on saying that you should really know your gear, yep. right? As opposed to just collecting it. Let's say that you're starting out with your stock compressor in your DAW and you're finding that you want to be able to add some of these other flavors that are out there. Maybe you want to invest in like an LA-2A type of compressor or an 1176. You're adding to something that you already have just to give a different type of color there. Mm -hmm. Expanding a need. And that, of course, goes with the same as like a, a better quality reverb or whatever it is. Caveat is here, of course, and this is on topic here as well. And this is one point that I really want to drive home. It's also not collecting every flavor of an 1176 or an <laughs> LA-2A. Now you take all the fun out of it. Right. Yeah. Well, there is – that's true. That is taking all the fun out of it. We have to be honest with ourselves. About what is it that we're doing? Do you have an 1176, whether that's a Waves or a Plug-in Alliance or a Slate, whatever? Mm -hmm. doesn't really matter. If you have one – Great. Explore that one and use all of that. Yeah. 
to its fullest capacity. Filling a need. It could also be the fact that, you know, something that's relatively recently happened to me where I had to get some new software because of work situations, uh-huh. right? Where you might have to learn a new DAW or acquiring tools that you might not use on the daily otherwise. Right. Right. So, so that is, I mean, that's an obvious one when you point it out, right? Where you might have to upgrade certain things because of working situations and whatnot. What's another reason for you, Jody, where you might think about, this is kind of tied into this, but what's another reason why you think about choosing appropriate gear or new gear? One thing that comes to mind is making collaborations with someone I'm working with easier. That's a good one. If you both have the same setup or using the same gear, you don't have to spend a ton of time exporting audio files with the printed effects or instruments of that nature. You could exchange the MIDI and you don't have to print something out. The idea there is one of ease and speed in terms of throwing files across the internet or however you end up doing that. Yeah, that's another big one. Obviously, depending on how much you collaborate, this could get really expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Depending on your collaborator, whatever they're using, right? Mm -hmm. But it is really handy. You know, you and I have done a fair bit of collaboration and we have similar setups, not the same. When it comes to specifically virtual instruments, I find that that is a place where I would spend a little bit more money if I had to for collaboration because it just makes it easier. It does. If you have the same soft synths or whatever, it's just easier than as opposed to having to print that. Then, oh, you know what? Let's uh, do a change on the chorus here. Let's do a B flat instead of a B natural. (laughs) Now you have to reprint that whole thing. Right, and that becomes a pain in the ass. Yeah, as opposed to, well, I'm just going to move this MIDI note. The collaboration is... Pretty big one, I think. Another reason on the same topic there, I would say, is if you're in a position where you get project files from people to mix Mm -hmm. and they have their rough there, they've given you, this is kind of like where we hear it, do your thing. If you get that enough and you start noticing that people are sending you references with plugins that you don't have, that's probably a good time to pull a trigger on something. If you see it enough, or if you're just a big enough guy that spending $300 on a plugin is not a big deal, like at all. Right? Yeah. It helps. I, this is one thing where first name drop here of, of the episode, <laughs> where I've heard Tom Lord Algy talk about where he gets mixes all the time from, from projects and producers for him to mix and he would say if there's something in there that I don't have it'll just pull the trigger and get it if you're Tom Lord Algae that's not a big deal right Uh but it does make that process a whole lot easier as opposed to trying to find a substitute for a distortion effect or whatever happens to be that's something that you and I I think have come across every once in a while where it's like in a shared a project file where it's like yeah, I, I don't have that. You need to print that for me. Yeah. And you go, oh, you don't have X, Y, Z? No, <laughs> just print it. You know? well, why not? <laughs> right, yeah. Is that something that you come across a fair bit? Or, I mean, because you, you 
doing what you do, I imagine that it happens. It happens. And currently I am undertaking a rather enormous project that I probably need to pull the trigger on something, but I'm leaning on you for it. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And that's, that's another way, right? If you got, Hey, I'll just send it to my collaborator and he'll take care of it for me. Right. So, and I don't mind doing that for you, but we're going to lead us into the third point here where it's a good idea to get appropriate gear or choosing appropriate gear. Mm -hmm. And I would say that this last one is probably the, the most dangerous one. Oh yeah. And I say that because to me, it can be an inspiration to get yes. a new piece of gear. I don't it, disagree with that. Right. Where, you get a new, usually for me at least, it would be like a new virtual instrument or something. And you start turning knobs and getting into the weeds and just to see what that can do. Sure. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned I was messing around with a 909 or an 808 drum machine plug. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, this is actually kind of fun. It serves like, like inspiration. Another case I had before was a person asking me about a certain synth and this is a guy that does a lot of like video game soundtracks and stuff uh -huh. so here's a guy that he works a lot and he would ask me hey what, what do you think about the new version of, of reactor whatever it was at the time whatever the number it was he said well i i'm just looking for some new inspiration that is a valid one right where we try out a new toy where it's like you know what if you're working on, let's say, like library stuff or whatever happens to be, sometimes that can just be like a trigger for something to, to spark an idea. As I said, that this could be a dangerous one because this can get really, really costly. And now you're every time you start out with something new, you need to spend $500 on the new <laughs> instrument, right? Just Not to finish my motive operandi, I'll tell you that. Well, no, me neither. But I think it's a common one. I'm sure it can be. Although, interestingly enough, I've recently been coming across articles or YouTube videos of how classic songs from the 80s and 90s in terms of certain sounds were created. And mm -hmm. one of them is a guy who's a keyboard player who's been going through how the Thriller album was done nice. with the keyboard layering that they did and how they created certain sounds. And the one that I saw most recently was about Billie Jean, which is a very, very popular song. I would posit that a lot of people know that song, whether they've been listening to it recently or not. I think that's a fair assumption. Yep. The bass line in that song is very recognizable. It's pretty much the driving factor of that song. And it is three layered synths and a combination of layers of Michael's voice to create that bass sound in Billie Jean. This guy goes through and says, this is the synthesizer I used. These are the settings approximately that I used when I did it. I'm assuming that he knows them because he's the guy that played this stuff. And then they combined it by playing it multiple times. So it wasn't like he came up with three different synths in a DAW and layered them together on one performance, which would make it easier for today's standards. You could easily do that. Yeah. 
These back are the then, days of tape. You, back in the days of tape, you had to come up with the sound, play it, come up with the next sound, put another track on, play it again. And if you didn't get it exactly right, you had to take it again and do it again. And that's why these guys were chosen, because they could actually recreate their performances to a T, generally speaking, without too much trouble. Yeah. But it's interesting watching him talk about how he applied making these sounds in these particular synths. And they can be applied directly to virtual instruments in today's age. Sure. Absolutely. One thing that makes me a little bit sad today is I, I see these discussions and people even ask me or, or you know, in, in forums and things where there's this need for sort of instant gratification, mm -hmm. right, when it comes to to all the stuff that we're talking about today where – you know, certainly with the performance aspect of it, where people are not, not necessarily even learning how to play their instrument of choice. And instead of just relying on buying like MIDI packs of performances and things, and, and you end up getting questions about, well, is there a plugin that can tell me what key my song is in? I know this makes me sound like really old, but <laughs> that to me is like, well, that's your job. Aren't you supposed to know this stuff? When we had Cameron or, or Venus Theory on at one point in a podcast, he had been asked obviously very, very similar questions. And people would reply, well, I don't have to. I don't have to learn an instrument. <laughs> and the reality is at the same time to play devil's advocate, they have a point. They do have a so, point. I think that is something that, that gets lost with that. And it's probably part of it because I'm, I'm of a certain generation, right? Musicality and getting the most out of your gear and, like you said, layering sounds and doing all this kind of stuff uh, to make the track as good as you envision in your head. Mm -hmm. It's not about necessarily just cranking out shit that just it's like a volume business right mm -hmm. you want the quality business i think is a better way of looking at it well thinking about that particular statement that you just made an article that i read this morning with the guitar player ian thornley from the band big wreck speaks to that very thing they are releasing eps three of them actually in rapid succession and people are thinking, oh, wow, they've suddenly upped their output. But the reality is, is they were stockpiling things. And he says he's on a constant basis of always writing and always mm -hmm. coming up with something new. To that end, he's always wanting to pick up his instrument and play it and play it more. That's how he gets those amazing sounds is he's constantly experimenting. And the concept of quality, he says – Oftentimes, he'll get to a certain point with a song where it's practically finished, and he'll realize, this is junk. And scrap it. Yeah. <laughs> Won't even go back to it. Just scrap it. Yeah. And then go on to something new. So he's always in a writing mode, and he's always in an experimental mode of twisting knobs and messing around with gear as well. And that's an interesting concept. I think a lot of people that have a certain amount of gear or have reached a certain stature in the industry, they understand the gear that they have and they still want to play around and experiment with it. Yeah. 
it's the process of doing it that is the part of the reward in itself, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, as we're talking about software instruments primarily here, we're mentioning, but the same is of course true for microphones. Hardware. And other microphones hardware. could be as most guitar players are notorious guitar collectors. When you're starting out, don't feel like you have to have every kind of flavor out there. But if you're filling a need where you're finding yourself playing more country stuff now, now your Les Paul might not be the best choice for that. You might want to look at getting a telly so that opens up more avenues and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Thinking of the question first, well, like why are we getting a piece of gear is a good one to ask ourselves, I think. Yeah, sure. It's always fun to get new gear. And if you can afford it, it's in your budget, knock yourself out. But if you're in a position like your friend is building your studio to kind of put a bow on this here, is uh, what is the need for it and what am I seeing it used for? Well, the other thing I would say too is it's not a bad idea to ask people that you know who are knowledgeable in these kinds of situations of what they think of a particular mic, a particular piece of hardware, a guitar, interface, computer, software instrument, what have you. Get their opinion on it. Yeah. If and you trust I it. would, right, if you trust it, I think that's the key because it, so many things as well. It's like if somebody asks, hey, what do you think of this interface? I'm going to be traveling a lot. If you ask that question online, you know there's going to be a hundred guys that are going to tell you, oh, it's a piece of shit. You're wasting your time. You need to get the the latest and greatest converters, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you, you're not answering the right question. You're right. You're answering another question, right? You know, if you know people that are in a similar situation or have worked with this piece of gear, yeah, ask questions and get as much advice as you can. All right, well, let's close this off with our final Friday find of 2023. What do you got, Chris? I have discovered that I don't like being sick a whole lot. Now, I'm I'm a boring choice here, but, but I have not been able to work really for the last couple of weeks here. So I actually don't have one. I guess I would just, you know. Yeah, discover about myself. I am miserable, but I'm not able to work. So <laughs> that probably says more about me than people care to know. But uh, I, I'm going to defer to you, Jody. What what have you got here this week? I came across an interesting virtual instrument of all things. It's a bit specialized. It is something called Orchestral Tools Abacus. And it is a virtual instrument that plays samples that were created from musical children toys. In other words, like toy pianos and toy xylophones and other things of that nature. They're all sampled in this particular VI for those that are in need of creating music that requires some odd choices of originating sounds. Have you now, ever source used of inspiration a right there? Right, right? Exactly. Yeah. A source of inspiration, of course. The question I just want to pose to you, have you ever had a need for using a children's toy of musical value for something like that? I'd have to say yes, actually. Not that it would be something where it's specifically it needs to be a kid's toy. Mm-hmm. But 
a side note to like children's instruments and stuff, there's something really inherently creepy as like children's toys playing. <laughs> so I've used it in, in those contexts where it's actually been like a little darker and you want, let's say you need something that is going to be creepy and it's going to sound like it's about to break down at any moment. In those cases, I have actually used like children's toys or children's pianos, that kind of thing, because they sound dirty and broken and certainly not pristine in any way. Well, all right then. For me, it was actually something that was piquing my interest due to the fact that I had done some lullaby type of music for a small label at one point. Yeah, this was not a lullaby that I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not. While right. we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. You'll need to be on our email list in order to be eligible for any future giveaways, and we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes of this crazy-ass podcast. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com with the word gear, and you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. With that, I'll say see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a happy new year. We'll see you in 2024.